Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hello, Salt Church. Uh, Great to be with you online. Welcome if you're new with us. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Salt. Great that you could join us online today. Now, Aussies, I reckon, love, just love, a great underdog story. Uh, We love it when the little guy sticks it to the man. Uh, We love it when we see someone who just never gives up and against impossible odds becomes victorious. Now, my favourite example of this is a sporting example. Uh, I love the story of Stephen Bradbury. Um, many of you will know this story. Salt Lake City, the Winter Olympics, 2002. Uh, he's a speed skater from Queensland. I think he's actually from tropical Queensland. So I'm not sure how he practised for this or how he grew into this career. He's in the 1,000 metre short track speed skating final. And in, for the whole race, he's in last place. Uh, It really looks like he doesn't have a chance. Every lap, he falls behind further and further until the final lap and the final turn, one by one, from first place to fourth place, his competitors, his rivals, collide with one another, are left sprawling along the track, and there he is miraculously heading for gold, and he's the one who crosses the line alone in first place, for victory. Uh, that, that still brings a tear to my eyes. I think about Aussie gold. Um, what a great story. Now, today we're continuing the story of victory, of an unstoppable gospel in the book of Acts. In the sp- power of the Spirit, God's word is going out. God is gathering his precious church. But it's not without plenty of falls along the way. It's not without suffering and persecution. It's not without threats to victory. In fact, today we'll see the apostles look like losers in so many ways and yet they become victorious. A victory they won't see until ultimately on that last day but nevertheless victorious. What's the threat that's on view this week? The threat is enemies against the church. Enemies against the church. So have your Bibles open to Acts chapter 5 verse 12. Let's have a look at it together. And you'll see there, who are the enemies against the church in chapter 5? Did you notice? It's the religious leaders. Uh, It's the religious leaders uh, who are furious with the apostles. Uh, And it's really interesting, isn't it? The religious leaders have loads of evidence that God is with the apostles. Uh, We've already seen uh, this in chapter 3, if you... Remember back a couple of chapters, uh, when a crippled man is healed, uh, the religious leaders can't deny this is an outstanding miracle from God. God is at work in these humble men. And even here in chapter 5, verse 12, look at what it says. The apostles perform many signs and wonders among the people. Openly and publicly, they are clearly displaying the power of God. Uh, And even this chapter the religious leaders will even see the apostles miraculously escape from jail. But here's their problem, and it's, it's a problem even for some today. Uh, like Israel, during the time of Jesus' ministry and now in the time of the apostles' ministry, 
the religious leaders treat miracles more like entertainment, uh, more like a firework display. Uh, and what do you do with fireworks? You, you're in awe, aren't you? It's the wow factor. It's show me another one. It's purely for entertainment. And the miracles, yes, they are spectacular, but they're not fireworks. They're not for entertainment. They're more like distress flares. Uh, they're signs and wonders, remember? They're signs from God. They point to the identity and the power of Jesus. And they actually demand action. They're calling out for a response. Again, if you flick back to chapter 3, Peter tells us the proper response. When you see the crippled man healed by the apostles, what are you meant to do? Well, verse 19 of chapter 3, Peter says very clearly, Repent then and turn to God, so your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshment might come from the Lord. And Peter says very similar things here in chapter 5. Uh, later on in his speech, in verse 31, he says, God exalted Jesus to his own right hand as Prince and Saviour. There is the ultimate miracle. And why? That he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness of sins. See, the miracle of Jesus being resurrected and all of the miracles are that flare signal alerting us, turn back to God. Something has gone uh, terribly wrong with our world. Now is the time to turn back to God. So it's not the time to demand another miracle. Uh, It's the time to turn back to God, to recognise our sin, to recognise Jesus as God's Messiah. And I wonder as you think about the miracles of Jesus, uh, have you done that? Have you actually looked at uh, this authentic account from Luke, this part of history that explains what Jesus has done and then what the apostles have done? Have you actually taken the time to consider Jesus' resurrection? Uh, do let us know if, if you want help in exploring who Jesus is. We'd love to help you see this is real. Uh, you might want to uh, connect with us using the QR code uh, that'll come up a little bit later again. Or maybe you want to uh, tune in to Why I Believe next Friday night to find out a bit more about uh, is Jesus real. But here, here's something else about the religious leaders in this chapter. They have all the evidence in the world... Here is God's power on display right in front of their face and yet their hearts remain hardened, don't they? They refuse to worship Jesus. I reckon that's another reminder to us today that all the evidence in the world and the evidence is there uh, that Jesus is real won't convince you if your heart is prejudiced against Jesus. See, the problem is not with the evidence... The problem is actually with us. We don't want to be ruled by Jesus. You often hear people say, if if God would just show up and and give me a miracle, I would believe. That's exactly what he did for the religious leaders. And yet they would not turn to him. Well, what is going on for the religious leaders? Why are they so opposed to the message of Jesus in this chapter? Well, look down in verse 17, you see... They're certainly filled with jealousy. Uh, The apostles are making an impact. 
um, that they never made. But it's also pride. See, Peter reminds them, and you might have noticed this as we've gone through the book of Acts, Peter keeps reminding the religious leaders, they put Jesus to death. It's there again in verse 30. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. See, the apostles are proclaiming to the religious leaders, your verdict on Jesus was wrong. Uh, For the religious leaders, they need to repent. Uh, They need to acknowledge they've made a terrible mistake. They are culpable before God. Peter's actually saying to them, you've killed the very one who's come to save. You've, You've killed the very one who is the Lord, the Messiah. You've killed the one who you will stand before on the judgment day. That is a heavy message to hear, isn't it? And instead of humbly repenting, they continue in their stubborn pride. They, they even want to silence the apostles, have you noticed? They want to silence the apostles from speaking about Jesus. And I'm sure you've noticed the same thing happens today. Uh, there is hostility towards the message of Jesus in our society. And at the heart of that hostility is pride. An unwillingness to recognise, I need to change. I need to turn to God. It's unwillingness to say to, to acknowledge I will one day stand before Jesus on that last day. It's an unwillingness to recognise I don't set uh, the standard of judgment. Jesus does. You know, it, it really is a tragedy when people do that because the message of Jesus is a good news message. Uh, It's even here in in this chapter, verse 42, we're told the apostles never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. See, that's the message from God. It's a message of hope. It's a message of forgiveness, of love, of acceptance. But tragically, pride blocks people from listening to that message of hope. And so what do the religious leaders do? They, they, they try to silence the apostles. They, they try to stamp out Christianity. Um, they throw the apostles in prison and then they interrogate them. Um, they command them to stop talking about Jesus. But they've severely underestimated God, haven't they? They've actually severely underestimated the power of his spirit and the gospel even within the apostles. You'd think this is the moment that Christianity is going to be crushed, it's going to be extinguished. All the apostles in prison. But have a look at verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord appeared and opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. And that's exactly what they did, isn't it? Uh, Then they're caught and then, then they're interrogated. The religious leaders are furious. Look at verse 28. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. Uh, yet you, fill, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. See, what's the apostles' response to that? How do they respond to this angry opposition? Well, they refuse to be silent about Jesus, don't they? Look at verse 29. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. See, 
the apostles are transformed men. They have been empowered by the Spirit of God. They are deeply convicted. Uh, They might have once lacked courage, but now they are courageous men. Now they are incredibly courageous. Look what they say. We must obey God rather than human beings. We don't care what you do to us. God is on our side. We live for him uh, and we fear him more than we fear you. Well, later on in the chapter, they even, Luke tells us, they even rejoice for suffering, disgrace for the sake of Jesus. In verse 41. And you've got to ask yourself, why are they so determined? Well, have a look in verse 31 again. They are convinced that God exalted Jesus to his own right hand as Prince and Saviour. They're convinced of the message that people need to repent and be forgiven of their sins. Here's what they're convinced of. They're convinced that coming in the future, every single person will stand before God. And on that last day, our only hope will be Jesus. That even those who have died will raise up, everyone will stand before the Lord Jesus... Jesus will be our hope. He will be the only way to escape the judgment from God. And so the apostles refuse to be silent on this. There is way too much at stake. See, by silencing the message of Jesus, we're giving up. Uh, People don't have that opportunity to hear of the hope of salvation and eternal life. And the apostles are saying, we cannot let that happen. God won't let that happen. You think about it for a moment. If you had the cure for cancer, what a, what a precious thing that would be. What an awesome day that would be if we came to that point in human history. Imagine you had the cure for cancer. Wouldn't you do everything in your power to make sure that every sufferer received that cure? You'd be angry if people stopped that cure from going out. You would refuse to be silenced. You would be on a mission. Well, how much more the spread of the good news of Jesus, the only hope for the world. There's opposition here. I take it in every generation there'll be opposition. People will rise up and oppose the unstoppable gospel. And in every generation, Christians will need to stand up and refuse to be silenced. Uh, Christians will need to stand up and count it, be rejoicing and count it themselves worthy to suffer disgrace for for Jesus' name. That'll require courage. That'll require God's spirit within us. So there it is, chapter 5, the unstoppable gospel but faced with persecution, faced with Face the apostles in prison. Uh, threats are the enemies of the church. The enemies of the church are the threats. What are we to make of this as we think about ourselves today? We're not the apostles, but think about this for a moment. The apostle Peter, uh, he wrote a letter to us as Christians, and in that letter, the one Peter was read out for us. He gives us no expectation that we'll perform the same calibre of miracles that the apostles did. But he does give us an expectation that we will experience 
hostility and opposition like the apostles did. Let me read for you 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Peter says, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. See the expectation? The followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will be accused of doing wrong. Uh, As we promote the teaching of Jesus, as we share the gospel, not everyone will love us. In fact, we will be unpopular. As we go into bat for Christian ethics, as we uh, fight for Christian freedoms, um, some will call us haters. Some will say we're bigoted. Some will say even that we are evil. But what's Peter's advice? He says, don't be surprised. Continue to live lives of integrity and love. But he says something else in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3.15. Listen to his words. In your hearts also revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. See, when someone in authority seeks to silence the message of Jesus, Peter's saying, you mustn't be silent. You must speak. You must continue to speak about Jesus. But he says, notice he says here, you need to do it graciously, you need to do it gently, you need to do it respectfully. But we need to do it boldly. In fact, one of the only circumstances we're called by God to disobey the government is speaking about Jesus. Uh, Do you notice this? Um, There are lots of places where we need to obey the government. God commands us to pay our taxes, to submit to every law that the government sets down, whether we think it's fair or not. But if we are commanded to, to be silent about Jesus... God calls us to refuse because there is way, way too much at stake. The salvation of people. People need to hear about Jesus for that final judgment. Well, I wonder as, as we finish this morning, do you believe that? Are you convicted that we need to speak courageously about Jesus and not be silenced? Let's pray that God will give us courage by his spirit. Our great Heavenly Father, we thank you again uh, through your enormous power, by your spirit, uh, your gospel has gone out in the book of Acts. Uh, We've seen your church gathered and grown, uh, even as the apostles are put into prison, even though there is opposition, even though people are angry uh, with you and your messengers. Uh, Father, thank you for your power by your spirit. Uh, Thank you for the ministry of the apostles. And Father, thank you for the word we've heard from the Apostle Peter to us, that we too will face opposition, uh, even uh, anger. Uh, We too uh, will not be popular. Father, please give us courage. Help us to speak respectfully and gently uh, to people about the Lord Jesus. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.